listening to Obstacle Races New Zealand. Join your hosts Max Bell and Stephen Steady as they explore the realms of obstacle sports, including OCR, mud running, adventure racing, hybrid racing, ninja and more in New Zealand and abroad. So how you been, Max? What have you been up to lately? A bit of training? Getting ready for Ultimate Athlete? Yeah, I've been doing some running recently. Getting back into running is good. I entered an Xterra trail race in Wellington. Uh, recently, that was good fun. I entered the the long course, so it's further than I usually run. That was oh, I should look it up. I think it might have been sixteen k. Yeah, bit farther than I usually run. Plus, the long is usually about sixteen to eighteen k, and the super longs are about twenty two to twenty six. Well, that's what they are around Auckland, so and they're run by the same company, so I presume they'd be pretty much the same. Okay. okay. In Wellington, we don't have super longs, so we there's a short, medium. Long. I think the long okay. is about, about yep. 16, 18, what you said. Um, I usually enter the medium, which is 10, 11k. Um, but that, that was good fun. I enjoyed that. Tons of hills, tons of technical running. Most technical exterior course I've ever done. It was at the Arongaronga Hills in Wellington, which is out, out near Wainuiamata Way in Wellington. Some awesome trails and very, very, very steep. So the, the course starts and you run flat for five minutes and then you start climbing and you don't stop climbing for like half an hour <laughs> you're just going uphill forever um it's it's brutal and but the whole and you go along the ridge line at the top that's amazing so the whole ridge line is just awesome bush and amazing views and very very technical trail at the top like you're dodging roots and uh dodging around bush and holes and amazing location oh, okay yeah but i was so dead the, the path final few k's of it you come <laughs> out of the hills and stop and took flat. a few photos yeah i should have i should have stopped oh, I, the I always do i think oh well i'm not in the lead three so if i stop for 30 seconds and take a photo especially when you get to the top of some of those hills yeah well i've yeah, got the uh, kiwi trail river series or kiwi run walk uh, wilderness series starting this week and i missed the first one which was in um Taupo. this one's around uh, along the river at Hamilton. So that'll keep me busy or the family busy on Saturday. Oh, nice. How long are those? Um, I think the lot, this one's 14Ks, but they're 14K and a 6K. But each one is a different because I think they had a half marathon at Taupo the other day. So they, um, they just vary them around. There's six of them in the series. It's cool. The races are coming back now. It's yeah. Final events yeah. on to enter after... You know, COVID spreading that um, the alert levels are changed and events are coming back. Yeah, well, we've got a big one coming up that we're both going to go to, and I don't think either of us are entered in it. But uh, ultimate athlete, looking forward to spending the weekend in uh, at the Mount Monganui. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. It's going to be massive. And, yeah. yeah, you and I will both be there. We won't be racing ourselves, will we? No. We'll be. Um, I'll be officiating and. You're doing you're doing the the booth right? yeah, i've got the booth for the nzosa and uh the dead hang competition so uh anyone listening to this who wants to don't have to be in the race you can just come down and try and hang dead hang for the longest period of time and uh we've got a few wonderful prizes uh donated by torpedo seven to to give away for obstacle sport racing yeah it's going to be cool come and say hello and get to spread the nzosa to everyone so, what about news? What sort of news have you got? Last episode, we talked about a new sponsor on board 
for the podcast. It's exciting. Um, but this between recording last time and recording now, uh, their new model of their product has arrived. They sent out sent out a new version of their earphones, gave those a listen, gave them a test. They're awesome. If you haven't listened to last time, we got Earshots coming on board as a sponsor, and they're a New Zealand company who's created wireless earphones, which are secured on with a magnetic clip, solving the problem of earphones falling out or dislodging or slipping while you're moving. Um, so they're designed for active activities like you know, running, riding, or <coughs> obstacle racing. And yeah, the new ones are awesome, opening them up. The main difference is they, well, main obvious difference right at first uh, glance is they look different. And I, I love the new look, actually. It's a lot less sleek. Because you have got an old a set of the old ones, haven't you? I do, yeah. Yeah, so I've used the old ones for a while and just got new ones recently. Um, so the old ones are like even the case and the earphone design are quite curved and sleek and you know smooth futuristic kind of looking which is a cool design of itself and i thought i liked it until i saw the new ones <laughs> and now i like the new ones the new ones are like the case is blockier and it looks more like a i don't know what you call it like a military kind of crate you gotta you gotta undo a latch to open this new case um so it looks heavy duty like it looks like i could you know just throw it in my bag and crush it with stuff and it won't break the case won't break the headphones and same with the earphones themselves they same size but they're not as like curved and sleek as before which i think the design aesthetic works for what they're going for because the earphones that are designed for being active and you know taking them outdoors and doing activities and sports and physicalness and so i think this this idea of having a heavy duty looking case like that you could throw it around and it would still survive and hold up to pushing it um, I think yeah I think their new design aesthetic really works for what they're aiming for um, so I've been trying them out probably the coolest thing I've noticed is the battery life is way better than before so they say they meant to have 10 hours of battery life on the earphones themselves and then the case is a charger so the case has 150 hours of charge in it before you need to plug in the case and recharge the case um, which is awesome yeah. I would definitely have to. I don't know what the last pair were, were, the battery life on the old model, but I would definitely have to charge them a lot more than that. Okay. No, yeah. that, that, that sounds really good. And we've got in a future episode, we, we've had a chat with Jamie from uh, the CEO and founder of it, and uh, he gives us a bit of an in-depth talk about uh, how they come about and, and the trials and tribulations of building something from scratch and uh, trying to explain your... Uh, his uh, design and what he was trying to achieve to people. No, it's uh, bring that to people in the, in a future week. So some other news. Well, the other news I've got is uh, I see World Obstacle Sports has changed its logo. Uh, I wonder if that's have has anything to do with the announcement that it may be in the next Olympics uh, or what the reason behind it. And it'll be interesting to see what they come out with in the next week or two about why they've changed it and uh, because uh, the old logo sort of aligns with all the other logos and federations around the world and they've gone right left field and uh, and come up with something new yes a lot of the obstacle sport federations based their logos on the previous world obstacle logo including new zealand including us so we'll see if some federations change i like our one though our one's cool oh, I do too. Oh, yeah. got the yeah. obstacle man jumping over a fern that's a cool <laughs> idea <laughs> yeah i like it 
And you have a bit of info on the potential of how they'll get into the Olympics? So the big news that came out recently was the sport of modern pentathlon announced that it is dropping show jumping from its sport. Uh, UIPM, the International Federation of Modern Pentathlon, came out saying that it's yeah got looking at obstacle racing as a replacement for the horse riding um, after previous Olympics, I think it was. There, there was some outrage and controversy over animal abuse in terms of horses. And then also apparently pentathlon has been struggling just with uh, viewership ratings in the Olympics for years. So they've been trying to find a way to change their sport and increase popularity and viewership. So I think that kind of fueled with the animal abuse um, has led to them needing to replace the, the discipline and bring in something new. So they announced recently that, yeah, they're looking at obstacle racing. So they're looking at two variations of obstacle racing, which they're going to test out this year. And then a decision will be made what they use. And it's come out World Obstacle then made an announcement saying they consulted with UIPM, with Modern Pentathlon. Uh, so World Obstacle were the ones that submitted the proposal of the, the two formats to test to Pentathlon. Um, so the two international federations are working together. And we don't have too much specifics on what it'll look like yet. We do know... So at this point, Modern Pentathlon is not included in the 2028 Olympics in Los Angeles. So in the next Olympics, 2024 in Paris, they're doing their 90-minute format and including show jumping. Um, and after that, although this year they're going to test obstacle racing and removing the show jumping. So it's looking like after Paris 2024, they'll you know, fully remove show jumping. And the hope is that bringing in obstacle racing, they'll be picked up again for the 2028 Olympics in Los Angeles and retain an Olympic sport. Cool. It also brings in obstacle racing into the Olympics. Yep. Yeah, so we're still waiting to see all the specifics. Uh, World Obstacle has said they're going to solicit input from obstacle athletes and stakeholders to ensure the format satisfies expectations of obstacle sports and pentathlon communities worldwide. So next step is to wait for that to roll out. Yeah, we'll see see what the input is, see how it's going to look. But the good news is obstacle sports has a you know major big uh, opportunity to get into the Olympics, albeit under another sport. Oh, we'll see you're putting the door. Yes. And doing my research on pentathlon, so there's different forms of pentathlon. So there's, well, there was the ancient Olympic pentathlon, which is the original um, Olympic movement from ancient Greece, and that involved a stadion foot race. So stadion is a term that we know from OCR today that Spartan has brought back. They have stadion races. But they also had wrestling, long jump, javelin, and discus. And then in the modern Olympics, they took this idea and brought in the skills that they thought would need for a modern um, soldier. So the, the ancient Olympic pentathlon was based on athletic skills that you'd also need to fight. And the modern pentathlon also took the same ideas, but they changed it to fencing, swimming, show jumping, pistol shooting, and cross-country running. Um, but there's also a military pentathlon, which does actually include obstacle courses at the moment. They include shooting, obstacle running, obstacle swimming, throwing, and cross-country running. I think it's it's that's a good fit because pentathlon. So and on that, did you watch any of the uh, Spartan Games? 
Series 2? No, because, yeah, but, the pentathlon idea does sound like Spartan Games, yeah, with these well, multiple yes, disciplines. They have. Yeah. <laughs> there is so much. Reading that, listening to you read that out, I thought there is so many things he's saying that was just in the games that weren't there, it wasn't there last time. Yeah. So, yeah, so it will be interesting to see. Yeah, so it's a good fit between pentathlon and OCR, just this idea of finding a generalist athlete, you know, needing mm. to uh, be good at multiple disciplines uh, with things like the Spartan Games and, and obstacle racing already being in military pentathlon. Uh, but now that it's coming to modern pentathlon will be fascinating to see what happens. What uh, else have you got had out there? The final bit of news, which I've got for today, is from Ultimate Athlete. So they just recently announced a 3K race as part of Mount Monganui called oh, yes. Ultimate Obstacles. And that's just running the obstacle section of the course. So you don't have to run around the mount. You just have to run up and down a sandy beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something sounds very sadistic in that. <laughs> it should be good fun. It should be. I think it'll be a good weekend. Uh, I'm uh, I'm actually going to try and get down on the Friday and uh, while they're setting the course up, but also have a look uh, at the kids' events, which we missed last year because I, I didn't go down until the Saturday. So I'll try and get down there on the Friday afternoon and have a look at that uh, and see what that's like and chat to a few people, get a few people to come on the con- on the podcast. Mm. Yeah. We need to do a course test. It'll be fun. <laughs> Yes, yes. Hopefully we can run around the course. Yeah, as long <laughs> as I don't have to use my shoulder, I'll be right. So tonight's uh, guest is Madeline Dolente. Is that how we said it? Yeah. She says her name a lot better than we did at the beginning. I won't bore you with too much of the details because it is a really good chat. But one thing I will say is during the interview, we, she talks about um, Spartan in the Caribbean and how she did a lot of time getting that organised. And since we've chatted to her, and it's been announced that Spartan is going to go to the Caribbean later this year. She was heavily involved at the of setting it up and doing the trials, and now it's um, a happening thing. That's awesome. But yeah, she's um, very involved in Spartan and OCR in, in the US and internationally, other countries. Yep. And now she's yep. living in New Zealand. It's exciting because mm-hmm. she brings a, a whole different perspective um, OCR here, you know, having seen OCR internationally, um, I think she can have a lot of input from OCR overseas into, you know, helping us develop in New Zealand. So without further ado, shall we cross over and let you have a listen? So joining us today is Madeline Dolente. Sorry that I pronounced that correctly. Yes, Madeline Dolente. Hi, guys. So you're, you're a personal trainer, uh, an athlete, fitness model, uh, TV personality, and an elite Spartan racer and coach. So you're featured on as a fitness expert on CNN, NBC, ABC, Fox, and you've created and been in numerous videos and books. And Scott here, you've trained in 86 disciplines. So I have to ask you about that later. It's fascinating. And um, you've worked with multiple populations and helped each person achieve their goals and you're also a collegiate runner which led to you finishing 24 marathons and numerous first place finishes and biathlons and trail runs and today you now 
travel the world doing Spartan races. And you've just come to New Zealand, which is exciting. Thank you. Well, that's cool. really nice introduction. I appreciate it. No worries. What brings you to New Zealand? Well, so I had an opportunity, actually. Um, my husband came out here to work with the U.S. Embassy. So um, I have some opportunities to do some, some uh, really cool fitness stuff out here. Um, currently, I am teaching at the university. So I teach CrossFit, a specialized CrossFit program at the University of Wellington. And then I teach uh, different programs at the Habit Gyms as well as Exodus. Um, and I started a TRX certification. So I'm bringing new trainings to New Zealand, which is really exciting for me. I think, as you know, during the last two years, there hasn't been a lot of uh, folks coming in the country at all. Um, the only way you can get in is if you're a diplomat, which I am. Um, but I think that having limited access really affects people in numerous ways. I think there's a lot of ways to get education, but that's one of the reasons I'm here is, is to help provide that education. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, I have, you know, 86 different trainings and I believe that to stay ahead of, of the pulse and really to be in the forefront, you need to keep getting new training, new education, and really know what's out there and look at, look to the future to see what how the industry is changing. So that's something I really want to do. I believe that wherever you are, if you can leave your mark and um, leave things at a, a better place, then you're making a difference. And for me, my biggest thing is making a difference. So I'm really excited the opportunities I've had to um, help share the information that I've been taught. I mean, I've over the years, I've had the opportunity to work with the people who have created TRX, created Bikram Yoga, created um, CrossFit programs, created uh, core programs, created kickboxing. And, and I've, so I've sought out all these gurus. And uh, if I've taken a little bit from them and I can share that with other trainers, with other experts, that's what um, I really enjoy doing. So... It's a long-winded story of how I came here and kind of what I'm doing now. <laughs> ah. So how, how are you finding the fitness industry in New Zealand? And that, um, I guess people often joke that New Zealand is a few years behind the rest of the world. Um, and my wife's from America, from, from the South, but she jokes about that too, that like she, some, she was aware of something in the U.S. when she was living there. And then, like, years later, it's finally come to New Zealand. <laughs> um, but have you found that for fitness, that New Zealand is? Like, we're not taking up these things that the rest of the world may be doing? Like, we're a bit behind in it? So it's interesting. Um, so before I came, I went and got another Les Mills certification because Les Mills is obviously really big here. Um, and so I did a Les Mills grip because I teach a lot of high-intensity training. Um, I see that, you know, fitness, if you look at the industry, it hasn't changed dramatically. You know, a plank that was offered 20 years ago is still a plank, right? Um, you've seen the trends of, let's say, step aerobics that changed to dance to now kickboxing and now cycling. And in the United States, we have a lot of gyms that are boutique gyms. 
So people pay $40 a class and they get specialized training. In the US, I taught at a gym called Epic and it was all about obstacle course training. We had monkey bars, rings, actually balls. I mean, a lot of like American Ninja Warrior stuff. So I've been dying and every city I go to, I've been probably to 10 different cities in New Zealand, Rotorua, Auckland, uh, Napier, uh, just all over the place. And I am dying to find obstacles, like dying. And I really haven't seen it. I know in further out areas they have in Auckland, but, but what you we see in the U.S. is everything changes according to what's going on on TV. So like American Ninja Warrior brought such a huge presence to the U.S. And you started seeing all these gyms all over with obstacles from American Ninja Warrior. And so I see you know, the New Zealand market, CrossFit's still really big. I see probably the community that's closest for, from my perspective is CrossFit. Um, you'll see on like a Saturday morning, one of the CrossFit gyms I teach at has like 20, 30 people. But you won't see in the end of a class, like a lot of people congregate and talk as where like in the US, we'll do like everyone puts their hand in the middle and we do like a team cheer and then everyone hangs out and talks. Sometimes we do like brunch after. That's not as common here in New Zealand. So um, in New Zealand, kind of the concept is we do this to have a happier mind, I guess. And in the US, we do this to be fitter, stronger, to compete harder. So it's definitely a different mindset. But um, one thing I would love to bring is more of that community aspect. And that's kind of what I like, I like to do in fitness. Like I often stay with my class and talk with everyone after I talk with everyone before. Um, and I don't see that happen as much. And I don't think it's necessarily because the instructors, I think it's just, it's a different culture. And, and again, it depends on the gym. Like I went to the F45 gyms in Rotorua and, um, I talked with the instructors, great trainers, great energy. Everyone was hanging out and doing like a burpee challenge after. So I think it has to do with different areas, you know, places like Rotorua are very small. The the guy at the nutrition who owns a nutrition store knows a lot of the people that work out. Um, So in a city like Wellington, because it's more spread out, you're going to have less of that. But I would love to see more of this like obstacle course training in gyms. Um, there is a gym, I think it's um, Boba, which is like down in Lyle Bay. So I'm going to go talk to the guys there and see if they can have any kind of like obstacle stuff because they do have some rings um, and they've got monkey bars, but they do like some parkour there. Parkour in the U.S. is very um I mean, you probably see a parkour gym in almost every city, especially the bigger cities. So I think that will come here. You're big into your parkour, aren't you, Max? Yes, I was going to say the um, Lyle Bay gym. Bonobo? Yeah, Bonobo, that's it. Yes, I know that. I know that one. <laughs> I used to go there myself. Um, I used to coach parkour there as well when I first oh, moved cool. to Wellington about three years ago. Um, got in touch with him and I coached parkour there for uh maybe only about six months and then we had oh, a, awesome. a baby and i dropped out um and there's someone else uh jack who's coaching parkour there at the moment 
Uh, but that's a cool gym. Yeah, Timon is the owner. Um, really cool place. He, yeah, he's got a cool sort of sort of like he's really into youth training, so he trains a lot of kids and teenagers. Yeah. Um, adult classes aren't pushed as much, although there is a small adult class there. But that one's cool. It's got monkey bars and probably the closest thing in Wellington to having obstacles in a gym. Yeah, that's something I search for. It's funny, actually, the first parkour class I ever took, I was like the oldest person. <laughs> it was like all kids and myself. I'm like, I don't care. I want to get better at, at jumping from thing to thing. Um, but I just think that there's such a great opportunity. I mean, you look at New Zealand, you have beautiful trails, beautiful outdoors. In California on the beach, you've got monkey bars. I mean, you've got rings, you have all this fun stuff. Why don't we have that here in New Zealand? I don't get it. I would, I could be outside all day. There's one park and um, I often, so I train this group of moms and I said, you know what? It's a gorgeous day, let's do it outside. I had them putting one foot on a swing and doing just like you would with TRX, Bulgarian split squats. I mean, that, that's how you can really change people by getting them outside, getting them doing things they're not necessarily comfortable with, but using the natural grounds. You can use a swing to do lunges. You can use a swing to do push-ups. You can do use a swing for instability to create greater stability. So I look at obstacle course racing as a great way to show people what they're capable of and to change the game. But the biggest thing I think in the U.S. that's different from here is the community and the boutiques, specialized classes. I mean, in, uh, I know in Auckland, you'll see more like boutique style studios, like there is a cycling studio, um, but not so much in Wellington. So I think if we could have more of those boutique gyms, I think that would be huge. I think people will pay for it, too. Just having people with the foresight to put it together that's the problem yeah well it's funny you like you guys started up over covid and i was told that there was um a couple that was going to open a cycle gym right over covid so i think covid actually has really pushed things back a lot um but you know as i mentioned earlier when i was talking to you guys i did the first ever race during covid and joe decina who actually now has a show on CNBC, said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And, and he says, you know, I respect COVID. I understand people are afraid of it. But for the people who aren't afraid of it, come out and race. And I did four races over that weekend. And it was such an awesome, awesome thing. So I think, you know, if, if people are afraid, the outdoors is open space, right? So there's still opportunity. I was talking to a lady on the elevator. If people are worried about COVID, this is a perfect time for them to get in shape. Because the greater their health is, the less risk they are for issues with COVID. I yep. mean, I, I probably had it and um, I was fine. You know, I coughed and all that stuff. But you can't live life worrying about things. You know, life is going to pass you by and then you're going to wish you did this or did that. I think... This is a great opportunity to to get ahead of things and 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 just think about how you want your life to be and, and, and taking healthier initiatives. I think for New Zealand too with COVID, we because the government was keeping COVID out of New Zealand for so long. You know, we had yeah. the elimination strategy, closed the border off. 
So the New Zealand mindset was very much in avoiding it. <laughs> um, yeah. But now that COVID's here, you know, Omicron's gotten into New Zealand and it's spread. There's no way to avoid it. Um, I, I caught it myself a few weeks ago yeah. um, and recovered fine. Um, but now that it's here, I think, yeah, the mind shift has the uh, mindset has to shift and, you know, people can do things to prepare for catching it because I think it's going to spread. People are going to catch it. Um, yeah. But getting in shape, you know, the fitter people are, the less likely they are to have complications with COVID and other illnesses as well. So, yeah. And the, the trails are so big. I mean, why not, like, so one thing at the university, we, we do at-home workouts, and over COVID for the past three years, I've been doing online workouts. And I actually took my um, online group and I brought them, we all met up in Florida and did a DecaFit race, which is part of Spartan, but the, it's indoors. Um, and so what I loved doing is taking this group of people and training them to go do a race. And it was amazing when you just saw everyone interacting. But right now what New Zealand can do is people can go out on trails. They can walk trails, they can hike trails. And that's great training for, you know, something like a Spartan race. Yes. Oh, and there's still lots of trail racing happening here uh, and stuff like that. It's just the obstacle side of things because it's there is no big company that does it. It's all, uh, from want of a better word, mum and dad sort of shows. Uh, and that's one of the things that being involved with the NZOSA is helping or trying to do is trying to build that community because the community is uh, what it's all about. I must admit the Spartan races I've done here and in Australia, it's always the community is and the, the social interaction after is probably just as much fun or more fun than the actual race. Well, it's funny because um, I was just, I, I told you I just taught cycle class at Habit Gym this evening and I was talking about Spartan race and I said the coolest thing about it is I said I raced to place and that a lot of times I've raced with groups of people and trained groups. Spartan has paid me to lead groups. But the coolest thing is you don't, do you know how many people I've met thousands of people who have never even done a 5k never even did a 5k and with spartan race you're supposed to do 30 burpees if you don't achieve an obstacle but the first time i encourage people just to go out and try okay they don't have to do all 30 burpees unless they're trying to place okay if they're trying to get an age group or win the thing you know what do the 30 burpees because that's what's right but if you're just going out your first time get out there have fun with it everyone helps each other everyone I mean, gets I dress up as as a Wonder Woman, <laughs> and so it's in the U.S. People dress up; it's like super fun. And um, I, I'm Wonder Woman. I often ask people. People have asked me for help, and so like I'll do a competitive heat, and then I'll do an open, and um, I'll help people like pull the 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 sandbag down. I'll help people get over walls, and people are like, "Oh my God, she is Wonder Woman." I'm like, but the whole thing is it's about helping people and having fun with it. How cool is it when you get, when someone doesn't believe they could get over a wall and they get help and they climb and they feel what it feels like to get over a wall. That wall is representative of so much more than just a piece of wood. I really believe and I've seen people's lives transformed by doing things that are hard. We become a very soft society if we do not do things that challenge us. 
and if we can do things like I was telling the class, I was not good at some of the obstacles when it, when um, Spartan Race started introducing harder obstacles. I had trouble with it. And I went to obstacle course training class. I, I worked with an American Ninja Warrior guy, Elijah, who was actually on American Ninja Warrior. And I learned how to move my body better so that I could get better at the obstacles. I then started training people and, and help them get better at the obstacles. But what was cool, well, when I first did the rings, I fell down. I'm like, how am I falling down? Why am I falling down? This is not acceptable. I can't believe this. And I had to practice. And all of a sudden it got easy. But the coolest thing for me was finding something that was hard that I could work on getting better. And as a society, if we do hard things and we get better at them, we build confidence. I hear this mental health crap all the time. Well, there is nothing better than doing something hard and getting good at it. That is how you improve people's confidence and your mental health gets better. It just does. If you're sitting in a room worried about COVID and not doing anything, how are you going to help your mental health? All your health, full stop. Yeah, I think the great thing about obstacle racing, just expanding on what you were saying or thinking was, um, yeah, I, I think humans definitely need yeah to struggle, go through hard times and you grow because of that and the great thing about obstacle racing i think is that it puts you in a struggle environment but it, it, it's controlled it's safe you know someone set up this course to be safe there is event staff and it's an event it's not like they throw you in the middle of the new zealand bush and <laughs> you have to climb cliffs and you know where you can get hurt um and, and you're doing it as a group like you're saying you're helping others you're meeting strangers and so you you're doing this experience where you're doing hard stuff but it's a safe way to do hard stuff and you're doing it with others you're all bonding and helping each other it's awesome yeah i definitely love the experience so, need more, uh, yeah. Spartan asked me to lead a group and so i showed up and i had no idea what i was getting into and i had almost 40 people that didn't know each other so it was um it was a thing spartan did where you could sign up and I think you paid, I don't know, $50 or something, and you could work with a group and a coach. So I was um, asked to come coach this group and no one knew each other. And we had people of various different levels. One guy who was trying out for American Ninja Warrior, really good at opticals. Um, some guys who had never been out in the course, a couple guys who had been out there. One girl never did any race in her life. And this was a super. So in Spartan race, a sprint is like a 5K, a super is like a half marathon, and a beast is like a marathon. Um, the uh, one girl did 18, 18 races and still like couldn't really do many of the obstacles. And I wasn't allowed to like physically help anyone because I was the coach. But we had such a great time. And I told the group, I said, look, I did Spartan race, Ultra Beast in Iceland. Okay. It was a 30-hour race. I nailed that thing. I didn't sleep a minute. It was brutal, but I did it successfully. I said, I am here to stay with the very last person. Okay. So I'm doing this race as a coach. I'm staying with the slowest person in the group and we're going to have fun. And you have an option. Any one of you can go ahead. Guess what? We all stayed together and had the best time in the world. And I actually, I killed this race 
I did so good in the obstacles because I just went out to show everyone and I didn't even think about it. So it was funny. It, what it taught me was when you're doing it for other people, it's actually more rewarding. But also when you get your mind out of it, it is so much easier, so much easier. So I think a lot of people approach obstacles with like different temperaments, like, can I do this? Or I'm going to fail or this is hard. And I think if you just approach it, like, let me have fun with it. It can be so enjoyable. And when you're out there, the bonding, like you said, I, I saw it with like 46 people and never even met and how, how much they support each other. So could you imagine doing it with your friends, how much easier it is? But that's how you make new friends and meet new people. You go out, you do these races, you give your all, you offer to help, they offer it. Random people offer to help you and you get to meet people from all facets of life that really show you like things are so much bigger than the challenge you're currently in. Yeah, you're certainly right. And and Spartan races, what do you call? I think the biggest thing I found talking to people is the 30 burpees always puts people off. But you're right, just telling them that unless they're trying to, to win it, or Pete Ryan Atkins or someone like that, don't yeah. worry about the burpees, just have a good time. So can you give us a rundown on some of the Spartan races, the places you've done Spartan races and what sort of Spartan races you've done? Because there is a hell of a lot more. Look, we've had a sprint. That's all we've had here in New Zealand. So uh, anything else you've got to go to Australia for or okay. see somewhere else? Yeah, so um, Auckland, we have the sprint and the super, I think, and the trail race in Auckland on the 14th and 15th. So I'm going to be doing the trail race, the soup, the sprint and the super. And as I mentioned before, I think a sprint is the best race for people to start out in because a sprint, you have kinder or easier obstacles than you do in a super. What happens is in a sprint, you have about 25 to 30 obstacles. And some of them are, one will always be a rope climb. One will always be the monkey bars. Um, and at a lot of these races throughout the United States, the Friday night before we had a training and I would train for about eight hours, people on obstacles. So that's how I really got a, a good idea of what the best techniques were just by watching people and helping them get better. Um, then the super is, um, as I mentioned, it's like a half marathon. It's about eight miles in length. Uh, traditionally in the U.S., it could be any distance. Joe DeSena would just say, hey, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. You show up and good luck. But now they've really made them uniform because the goal of Spartan Race is to take it to the Olympics. So um, and then the, the beast is the longer length. And that's like a marathon. Most people it takes around four hours and there's. I don't know, maybe 40, 50 obstacles. And then the ultra beast, which I've done, is a beast twice. So you do the same same loop and do it again, and then you have some extra obstacles in there. I did that and qualified in the top three for my age group so that I could then compete in Iceland in the Spartan Ultra Beast, which was 30 hours. You had two awards. One is for doing 24 hours, and the second was for completing, I mean, tw one was for 24 hours and the second was for 30 miles. So I did over 30 miles. Um, and Iceland was pretty tough because we only had daylight for about four hours of the day. Um, and at the night, during nighttime, the foot, 
prints would freeze up so that snow would become ice and it was really easy to slide down. So by the time I was done, um, I felt a wind uh, in my rear and I had um, split both of my pants <laughs> for flying down mountains. So it was pretty fun, really fun. But um, I've raced in Dubai. I've raced in Iceland. I've raced all over the United States. I think my favorite Spartan race is in Vermont because it's very, it's intense. It's uh, mountains. So the harder Spartan races are at ski resorts, the easier one. So for everyone who's starting out, um, Auckland's going to be awesome because they just changed their location and it's at a much easier terrain. I think when you have it at a ski resort, you, there's a lot of climbing. And actually, that's one of the reasons I was so excited about coming to Auckland was because you have so much mountainous terrain and a lot of climbing, which we don't have as much in the United States that I feel like I should become like a really awesome racer. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the hope. I don't know if that's what's gonna happen, but um in the in these in the one in Auckland and some of these other obstacle course races, if they're not in like ski resorts or very mountainous areas, they're actually pretty simple. I but I prefer the mountainous, so I'm actually competing in the North American Championships in Canada in August. So those I'll do, um, I'm probably gonna do the super sprint and then the trail race. I, I don't know that I'll, I'll do the beast. I haven't, I haven't made a decision, but those will be the championships this year. And then I also raced in Italy. It was funny. I was actually dressed as Wonder Woman racing and I look over and it went through the town and there was a nun. And she looks over and I was like, hi. So I thought, what is this girl doing running with mud on her and dressed up as <laughs> Wonder Woman? <laughs> that was pretty fun. So you're not permanently based here in, in Wellington? Or are <laughs> you just going back for the racing? So I'm here um, for about four years. And I come, um, there's different opportunities I go back to the U.S. for. Some of my sponsors, one is now Foods. I'll be going back there to do their lab for their lab stuff. I do some work with Oxygen Magazine. So I'll go back for stuff with that. Um, and then whenever I can go back, like uh, Joe DeSina um, had a race and he just um, came out with a new TV show. It's on CNBC. And so I filmed... Um, Spartan came out with daily burn workouts and basically these workouts were sent to anyone in the world who registered for a Spartan race. And this was for about two years. And I filmed those video, those workouts at his house in Vermont. So he had a thing um, on CNBC. Uh, it's a new TV show, which actually this is pretty cool. So on CNBC, he helps companies who are failing and he brings them to his house in Vermont and has him go through obstacles. So like he asked him, he's like, what's your um, call center number? And the CEO, no, no one could tell them what the customer service number is. And so he made them roll under barbed wire in mud. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty cool. He does another thing where he talks about the leaking bucket and the leaking bucket model is like, let's say uh, Jim brings in new members, but then, 
each month they're losing members. So it's a leaking bucket. You're never growing that membership if you're always losing a member when you bring in a member. So this company is a real estate company. He had them fill water into this bucket and he said, you keep losing business. So he put a hole in the bucket. So water was leaking out and he was just teaching them, you know, if you're losing that business, you can never, you, you keep putting water in it, but it keeps coming out. How are you going to fix this? So it's pretty cool concept and how he shows with obstacles, how they really demonstrate real life or analogies, you know, yeah. it's the real life analogies. And that's to me why I love the obstacle course racing. Cause it's like you said, Max, you know, with challenges in life is how do we respond to them? But those difficult things, it, you know, if we overcome those, imagine what other things we face, we can overcome. It's spot in Auckland. Like you mentioned the terrain, it's an easy, easier terrain. So it's on a, the new venue and the old venue as well were both flat, both open fields. Yeah. Um, it does make it a good race for new people, like new people to get into obstacle racing, people who are, you know, a bit intimidated by looking at a, a video of an obstacle race online. Like Spartan Auckland is a good starting point in that it has, has the challenging obstacles, but the, the terrain is easier. It would be interesting to see where or what they do with their trail race for Spartan Auckland too, because it certainly wouldn't want to be at Barry Curtis Park. Uh, it wouldn't be much of a trail race there. Yeah, it's weird. The um, Spartan races that I've done with the trail race, I went to their inaugural um, trail race. They invited me to. And then I started doing others. And the trail races were really nice. Um, actually, like, really beautiful. I'm, I'm by nature, also a trail racer. And I, I love them. Like to me, it's, it's, it's a very happy place for me. So for people who like the trail races, um, they had that option. And I think it, that's a good opportunity to also see the obstacles. Um, and I think for people who are new, who, you know, are scared by obstacles, I think one of the things is you don't know what you can do unless you try. And if you try and fall, that means next time you might, get two monkey bars instead of one. I think it's a really cool way to kind of see what you're capable of. And I think for anyone not to try is, is a shame. On the Spartan trail races, so they, because this will be the first one, the first Spartan trail that's coming to New Zealand. Um, mm -hmm. Spartan happened here last time and it was just a sprint. But the, the trails overseas, so they're usually at the same venue as the Spartan, they're on the same course without the obstacles? No, so um, the trail race is usually at the same venue, but it's off. So they all have an entirely different course for the trail. Um, and what I've experienced is what well, depends on the weather, but sometimes there is mud on the trails. Um, but it's a much more natural environment and they definitely try to make it rolling. Um, and there are there is some climbing, obviously, as most trail races, but it's uh, it's separate. So I think that that's a great opportunity for people to come out and try the trail. And then, you know, there is the obstacle course the next day. So if they're coming for the weekend, that's it enables them to do two things over the weekend, but also to come out and see there's spectator passes people can get. So. You know, if someone's 
nervous. I think it's definitely a great way for families to come and, and to bring their loved ones and maybe have their, if their loved ones are nervous, whatever, have them come watch and, and see them do it. But um, the trail races are fun. And then the optical course races just are a blast. And a lot of stuff like climbing up cargo net, anyone can do that. And there's someone in front of you, someone behind you. You know, with Spartan races, I feel very confident because there's never, you know, there's the same obstacles all over the world. So there really shouldn't be any fear on getting injured. And I mean, I was a race director for an obstacle course race in um, Maryland, in the United States. And, you know, there's, there's always an ambulance nearby, but there's always people helping. You know, no, everyone wants to see people succeed. So you're really in an environment where people aren't necessarily racing against you, they're racing for you. So I, I think that that's, that really shows a different, um, it's a different concept of racing for most people. Most people think of it as a competitive thing, but really when you're first doing it, I think, you know, you, you kind of let the ego go to the side and you just try to get out there and have fun with it. And that's one thing too, when start talking about racing and it's easy to focus on the competitive side of it I think yeah and, uh so we had we had there's a race it was a race in New Zealand we were talking to the event organizers but talking to them afterwards they were a little bit concerned that we focused too much on the competitive side of their race um but the the, the bulk of people aren't doing it for that you know there's there's a little group who are racing seriously who are the yeah. elite races but most people are out there to have a good time and to you know push themselves and to try something new and see if they can do it and but i think it is yeah a trap we fall into with the podcast and i think any sort of sports media traditionally <laughs> it's easy to fall into that competitive focusing just on the, the elite athletes um yeah so it's good to focus on most people's experience is going to be having a good time and meeting new friends and yeah. And I think that's the way to get people. Um, I mean, as you know, people are pretty competitive in the United States. It's a very competitive market. Um, you know, like the Ryan Atkins, Lindsay, you know, I mean, the, these are like all the epitome of just awesome racers. And, you know, you want to, you want to give your all, you want to do your best. But in the same token, we're in a, we're in a different times where people are just mentally in different spaces. And I think if we can get people outside their comfort zone and just doing something that they're going to develop new skills and develop new, develop more confidence, then that's really what I try to focus on. I had a, a client who came to my class and she had diastasis, diastasis, Acid recti, which is when you're pregnant and the muscles separate. So she said to me, can, you know, you talk about Spartan race, someone signed me up. Can I, do you know anyone that needs it so I can sell my race ticket? And I said, well, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. Let me look. So she came to me again and I said, you know, I said, I think you can do this. I think you need to pray about it. And, um, see but I, I have a feeling you can do this so I called Dr. J who's in charge of all the training for Spartan Race and I said I have a woman who has diastasis recti which her 
abdominal muscles split and she's afraid of doing the burpees. And he said, well, she doesn't have to do the bar burpees in the race, you know, so have her go through your training and see how she does. So I was doing a training at a CrossFit gym and we had a wall set up and I had her go over the wall and I teach them how to do the rope climb and monkey bars and the rings. And anyway, race day comes and I'm looking for her and I'm like, where is she? I'm not seeing her anywhere. And then all of a sudden I see her with Barbara and she is climbing up the rope. I mean, like a beautiful pro and her husband, this race was very spectator friendly and her husband was with her little girl in the stroller and her little girl saw her climbing up this rope. And I looked at her and said, holy crap, she's making that look so easy. I hope I do so good. But that's the coolest thing is, you know, here's a woman who, who had a baby and her muscles were split and she's doing this no problem. So I think if, if you train and you have the desire to do something, you can do it and shock yourself and be so excited for Monday to come around and show the world what you're capable of. And, you know, if you go out for it, just saying, hey, I'm going to have a good time and I'm going to give my best, your perspective, you really can enjoy the race. If you go out there without any obstacle course training and you, you're just thinking about competing, you're really going to miss out on the adventure. Oh, definitely, definitely. It's like trail running too. You've always got to stop and have a look around at some stage. The most spectacular countryside and get to the end and don't remember any of it. So I always stop and have a look, take a photo. So I signed up for every race when I got here. Like I was on the plane and I saw an advertisement for the Wellington Marathon. I signed up for it. I signed up for the Queenstown Marathon. I signed up for all these trail races. They all got canceled. But when I talk to people, and I say, come do this race, they will run 21K and they will tell me they can't run a half marathon or they'll run 15K and they're like, oh, I can't do the half marathon. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're already running that amount. You're running 16 miles. You're telling me you can't come out and do a 13 mile. So I think that there is some kind of blockage in people's minds when they think about race versus just going out and doing something casual. So. Okay. It, and it blows my mind because I I see it more, more so since COVID hit and I'm seeing it more so now. So that being said, I think if we can get people's minds and perspectives thinking about just going and doing it, we're going to see a lot more um, interaction, a lot more people signing up than focused on the comp competitive side because i i go out to see what i'm capable of but i think we really need to get people coming out to just enjoy it because that that's you know every race that i sign up for i tell people about it and they give me an excuse why they can't so we just have to focus on why people can and that's kind of my mission um can we just go back or can you just give us a bit more of insight into your uh, Iceland race? What was it like? What sort of obstacles? How do you train to run in freezing cold temperatures for 30 hours? Nutrition and those sorts of just because a lot of our listeners wouldn't won't have had much to do with it. Probably watched a bit of it on telly or on YouTube. That's about it. So Yancy Culp is a friend of mine and he's an awesome, he actually created DecaFit 
Um, and so I went to him for some nutrition help because uh, he was doing a ton of ultras and I had done an ultra. I be- I'm a big fan of training for life and uh, it's not the race. The race should be like the icing on the cake. Okay. I've done everything by the time I get to the race. So I'm already prepared. I'm a huge fan of preparing yourself. And so for Iceland, I ran a lot in the dark. I ran and like bugged myself out, (laughs) but I did a lot of dark running because I knew that during the Spartan race, I would be in the dark most of the time. And so when you're tired and you've kind of lost, um, when your glycogen levels low, it can be easy to, to start bugging out and, and just like start freaking out because it's dark. I really never had that experience. Um, there was one time I was flew off the side of the mountain. So that was a little scary, but I tried to stay with people. I think that made a big deal. Um, racing, doing age group, you had to do burpees for every obstacle you failed in front of a video camera and a coach on hard cement. So at one point, I had just done 12 miles and I had to do, I failed three obstacles and there were like 40 of them. And I had to do 90 burpees straight in front of this coach. And I literally was like, I wanted to cry because it was so cold and the cement just sucked. And I, a girl came up who was racing elite and had to do 120. <laughs> so I'm like, well, compared to her, it's not so bad, but you know, the biggest thing I think that people forget about is something you brought up is nutrition. Um, I ate really good the night before. I ate really good the morning of. I placed first in the Vermont Spartan race, and I attribute it to my nutrition. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of really good carbs like brown rice, like sweet potatoes, like... Um, oatmeal, a huge fan of that stuff. And that was a huge player, especially during long distance events. So I make sure that um, about four hours before I get a really good breakfast in. And then during the Spartan race, I just made sure every hour I was getting in some some type of fuel. But another thing that I cannot talk enough about, which was one of the best things in the world, was getting flat Coca-Cola. And after after 14 hours, drinking some of it, because there's a point when you're doing a 30 hour race or over 24 hours that you're not gonna wanna eat food. You just, it's the weirdest thing. But like after like 16 hours, you like, you can't eat anymore. It just grosses you out. And the, the biggest thing is getting in some type of fuel. So like a flat Coca-Cola, that syrup really helps you with nausea. So that was like a game changer. And then, you know, I've been on certain trail races where people like want Diet Coke and I'm like, give me the real Mountain Dew. (laughs) Like, so while I'm I'm a huge fan of like eating healthy during a, a race, I think that's your opportunity. Like if you want a Snickers bar after 20 hours, eat a Snickers bar. I think that really eating something that you really like um, that has fat, protein, carbs, 
will, I think, help. But eating every hour helped me a lot. I think um, I trained a lot. I did CrossFit. I did a lot of obstacles. And I started to increase the time I was training. So for something like an Ultra Beast um, and the World Championships, I knew that was going to be really hard. I didn't necessarily, I was going to go to Colorado to, to train on the mountains, but I didn't get to just because of work and other things I had going on. So I just spent a lot of time training um, during the colder months outside. Um, I did a ton of running and then I would, you know, bring my sandbags with me, uh, my buckets. And, you know, when you're doing a bucket carry, gosh, 15 times during an ultra beast, you have to, you have to train, you have, you, just, you have to be, prepare yourself. So the more comfortable you are doing that stuff, the less uncomfortable you'll be doing the race. And that's what I did. I just, I, all of those tools, I bought, I, it's so easy. You go to a store and buy a bucket and then you just fill it with sand. I mean, you, you can go to the beach, take your bucket and, and fill it with sand. The other thing I did, which I cannot trust enough for any race you do is grip strength. So you can hold two plates with your fingers and walk around with them. You can hold on. So um, even my CrossFit classes at the, at the um, university, I had them just hold on bars for 45 seconds. And for one person, maybe five seconds is a lot. But it's just that consistency. You do five seconds today, you can do six seconds in two days. You can do eight seconds in three days. It's doing progressively practicing till you get better. And that's what you'll see. It's like with anything in life, if you just are consistent and you practice in the world, like the Ryan Atkins, Lindsay, Lindsay Webster, those guys can do like five minutes straight on a dead hang. So I'm not there yet. Um, hopefully one day, but it's just those dead hangs are priceless. There's a lot of with Spartan in the, in the um, in the super and the beast where you're going laterally. So one of the biggest ways that I've made a lot of progress is, you know, I, we don't have all those obstacles, right? So you can go outside. There's a lot of parks. You go to a park and just walk sideways on the monkey bars, go to the next one, walk sideways. And just that grip strength will help you tremendously. It's one thing for New Zealand obstacle racing. I think a lot of people aren't so prepared for the grip strength. Um, a lot of the races here don't have rigs or monkey bars or things that are yeah. overseas. Um, in the last part in Auckland, I decided to enter elite and then, you know, everyone takes off and <laughs> I can't keep pace. So I'm like, ah, oh. no, I was running maybe like 15 to 20 place somewhere in there. And all the, upper body the grip obstacles were all like the second half of the course the yeah. rings the the rope climb the monkey bars so i'm in like 20th place or something until we hit the monkey bars um and i get to it and there's like five plus people doing burpees and more people falling off the monkey bars and <laughs> and then yeah because I've, I've you know trained grip from trying to get into obstacle racing and doing other crossfit and parkour and stuff in the past um so i made it across and passed a lot of people and Ended up finishing ninth, which is so wow, pleasing. Wow, that's awesome. But the whole, the whole way, the only way I did that is because I 
didn't fall off any of the, the grip stuff. Wow, <laughs> um, that's awesome. So I think that's one thing for New Zealand obstacle racing is that, you know, there's these really good runners mm-hmm. trying to do good at these races, but they working on grip would be something that would really help them as well. So it's a good good tip. Um, and especially overseas, like your experience overseas races where races are a lot more grip heavy. And I think that's slowly going to make its way to New Zealand as well. Once you're, you're functionally a better athlete, if you have that grip strength, think about carrying a bag of groceries with your hands. I mean, that's grip right there, right? If your arms are tired, maybe you need to increase your upper body strength. You know, when I would teach, I taught at a gym called Equinox, a very popular in the United States, um, very exclusive gym. And I found that a lot of people, a lot of runners couldn't do push-ups. So there's a problem if your legs are fast, but your core is weak and your upper body is weak, right? So that means like half your body. It's great that your legs are strong, but if you're not doing core work and you're not doing upper body work, you actually minimize your ability to do other things. And I think running is such a great activity. It's such a great part of being an athlete. But what Spartan Race does is it helps you be a much more functional athlete. And I, I, I can't express how key that is. If you can run, but you can't get over a wall or you can't get underneath a, um, a barbed wire and you can't do those things, you, you start to limit yourself. And that's why you see so many runners have, who have injuries because they're not doing other things. And I think Spartan or obstacle course races really kind of push you or motivate you to train in different modalities so to me that's like one of the most fun things because then i have purpose to my training and it keeps me motivated are you going to do the in auckland in may that weekend is a big well that week it's a big week for obstacle racing in new zealand because we have spartan one weekend and then the weekend after is Ultimate Athlete, which is another big race, a New Zealand race, which just launched last year. Um, but have you come across that one yet? Are you going to do that one as well? No, what is that one like? They just launched last year, but they launched big scale. They're, okay. they're going all in. They're expanding this year into a series. Um, but they're going to be beach races. So they're held on the beach. Oh, cool. Uh, throwing it's obstacles like in. Hildebert. Did you see Hildebert in the States? It's an obstacle course on the beach. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So you've seen that one with pictures of it. I haven't done that one. The sand killed my legs. Oh, yeah, the sand is a killer. I had a girlfriend um, ask me to go do a, a duathlon, which is run, bike, run. So I'm like, sure, it's at the beach, no problem. But she didn't tell me it was like in the deep sand. So yeah. both of the runs were like in deep sand, and I was like, it was probably 95 degrees. I was not too happy when I got out there. I was happy when I was done, of course. But <laughs> so wait, so what what date is that? I know um, Auckland is May 14th or 15th. Is that the, the weekend after? Yeah, so Monganui. 20, 20th, 21st of May. Oh, cool. Yeah. And they did have an Auckland event as well, but it recently got postponed until December. But Mount Monganui is the weekend after Spartan, and Mount Monganui is just outside of Auckland. So um, it's definitely, if people want to travel to both, it's definitely doable. They can go to Auckland, do Spartan, you know, stay there the whole week, look around the city, and then do the 
ultimate athlete afterwards. Well, that's a good way. Like I just looked at, uh, let's say Lindsay Webster's training schedule and she's got like a different race every single weekend. And when I was back in the U S I, I actually did, um, two or three different years, pretty much a race every single weekend. I did the world championships every year in California. I did Vermont. I did Virginia. I mean, I was Texas. Um, I was all over the place doing different races. It was so fun. It's a great way to see a new place. I mean, you know, between the Spartan and then the, the beach, you just seeing different terrains and seeing different places, getting to meet new people. I think there's nothing better than getting out there and racing. It's so fun. And sorry, Carol. I know it's just, it's a great opportunity for people to travel and do things. People are looking for things to do with COVID. So this is definitely something that, you know, should, people should put on their bucket list. And then when they realize how much fun it is, they'll be doing more. Have you been to, done the Hawaii Spartan? No, I actually was scheduled to do that and it got canceled. Then I was scheduled again and my uncle got married. I was like, come on now, you have to get married the weekend I'm going to do Hawaii. I we love a couple of people come on here from New Zealand that went because it's probably one of the closer ones to get to other than Australia. Yeah. A couple of people come on. They raved about that. Uh, I mean, Hawaii is such a gorgeous place and I've I've done a lot of trail running in Hawaii. It is beautiful. So, I mean, to do that and that scenery, that's just like breathtaking i've actually was thinking about trying to get over there to do it this time but i don't know if that's going to happen because of my other travel plans but i definitely recommend that one i think that brings in they told me um 800 800 to a thousand people that weekend so pretty cool so actually that was one of the catalysts to bring it to jamaica so you'll be seeing a similar race in jamaica okay yeah, because you were mentioning that, I think before we started recording, we were talking about Jamaica. Um, so what's the story there? So Jamaica is a place I brought numerous fitness um, activities to, and I started traveling there since like 1998. It's actually a really, really beautiful place. The cool thing about Jamaica, and it reminds me similar to New Zealand, you have the beach on one side and the mountains on the other side. So you actually can be in a resort looking at the beach and then turn around to the back window and see all the mountains. You think of like Blue Mountain Coffee, those mountains are just luscious and gorgeous. So I was there creating programs for resorts called Playa Resorts. So if you go to the resorts, I'm in the videos on the TVs and the resorts creating fitness programming. And some of the, one of the gyms I was at actually had monkey bars. So I taught a lot of like optical course training. And then I developed a um, trail run from the resort. So in talking with the manager, I said, you know, it's a shame that you don't have Spartan race here. I think that could be pretty awesome. That conversation brought us to a hundred acre property right near Rose Hall, where they have just lush and beautiful trails. So we went out to the trails, we met with the owner, and then um, two months later, we were having a meeting with the Ministry of Tourism and the head folks at Spartan to bring Spartan Race there. So um, because of COVID, it postponed it, but it may actually happen this year or next year. So pretty cool stuff. And the big thing is, I think with um, Spartan, actually, we, you have in Australia, they're doing the trifecta weekend, 
But that's actually what we're bringing to Jamaica is a trifecta weekend. And that's one of the reasons Hawaii is so popular. And for anyone who doesn't know what trifecta means, it means completing a sprint, a super, and a beast. So the three levels of Spartan race. And that was actually when I first started doing Spartan racing in 2014. That was my goal was to get a trifecta. And then I was getting like so many. I'm like, I can't keep track of this anymore. But when you can do all three races, and I think it's cool to do start out with a sprint, go to super, then to a beast, because you really get appreciation for the different lengths and you get better and better. But that's something I think that's really a, a huge opportunity to do all three ranges and to see where you fare best. I've trained athletes who are really good at endurance. So the beast is perfect for them is where I've trained other athletes who are really fast and they're, they're good at speed. So like a sprint's better for them. So when you do those different ranges, you, you, you kind of get a feel for where your, your sweet spot is. And I think for me, it's more like the long distance races, the ultra beasts and that kind of stuff, because I've got good endurance. Yes, I've still got tickets to the bright trifecta weekend in uh, Australia, which is for the third year in a row. I haven't been able to go. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw they're pay, paying volunteers $100 a day to work. Mm. They're struggling. So one of the things Max brought up at the beginning, you've trained in 86 disciplines do you want to expand on that what what do you mean or what is the disciplines okay in? so 86 certifications so essentially instead of buying a house i spent a lot of money on learning um so i don't own that house but no so i've um at the age of i guess 20 I know, 18, 19, 19, I did my first certification and that was in uh, step aerobics. And then the second was personal training. And so what I did personally was I spent, um, I would get a training. So in the US it's going to um, like a weekend of workshop. So it, it would be like 16 hours over the weekend. So eight hours on Saturday, eight hours on Sunday. And then you take tests and spinning it took like six months um, for some certifications. You'd have to go through the training and then pass a practical and then a physical. So one was demonstrating and then another was actually a written exam. So with all these trainings, I've I've um, like for spinning, I did the certification, but then I taught. And then six months later, I actually passed it because they made you um, teach for so long. And then after six months, you could take the test. And it wasn't until then that you got the certification. Um, so for each year, I spent six months to a year getting good at something. And then before I moved on to the next training. So I got really good as a cycle instructor. And then I went and started doing yoga. I wasn't really into yoga. Um, I had a friend who was really into it. So I was going with her to yoga class. And then about a year later, I got into it. And then I decided I would go through and do a yoga training. So um, I then got asked to, to create a prenatal yoga program. And then I decided I would do more training because um, I became really interested in it. So with myself, I'll spend time learning something, 
maybe taking classes. And if it's something I really like, I'll get certified in it. So that's what I've done with each one of my certifications. Like TRX, I became, I went and got certified and then I helped create a TRX training program for a gym where we had TRX cycle and bar. Okay. So it's, they're pretty intensive programs, but my recommendation would be for anyone who be, wants to become a trainer is, and I also teach a personal training course at the colleges um, back in the United States. And um, I've helped, I've taught cycle programs, I'm doing the TRX program. But I think anyone can do anything they put their mind to. But if you want to get good at something, practice it and practice it often. I don't think taking a weekend training is going to make you a good cycle instructor. I think taking a weekend training and taking cycle three classes a week is going to prepare you to be good. So that's what I've done with all my trainings is, is kind of gotten really immersed into it, taking classes three days a week went through the training and then uh, got the certification. So that being said, I'm a Spartan SGX coach. And uh, that was actually a brutal certification. They only they only pass a certain percentage. Um, and Joe Decina likes the challenge. So that was probably one of the hardest certifications I got. But it was really enjoyable. Um, we teamed up with different people and helped create training programs. So it was enjoyable. I learned a lot. Um, the girl I teamed up with was works for one of the top NFL players who then opened a, a Spartan gym in the U.S. So that was really fun. And um, it helped. It really made me a much better coach. And once I got that certification, I started training folks to do obstacle course races. So it was really enjoyable. So you hope to use that while you're in Wellington? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm already talking to people about doing the Auckland Spartan race, and I want to get a big training group together. I've gotten a few folks, but I really want to grow a community around Spartan racing, obstacle course racing. I think if I can get a, a, a group training together and then have a goal like an obstacle course race, I think we can really help grow this community so that's my goal is just to get uh training and i just have to figure out what gym it makes sense to do it at but once i figure out the gym i'll have a training group which we meet at the gym and then we do um <clears throat> obstacle courses we got through runs all that kind of stuff and you know the the tools are pretty simple like when you talk about sandbags i brought a ton of them to new zealand with me Buckets are, are inexpensive. So I think there's a lot. There's monkey bars at gyms, you know, at I mean, outside at parks. So you, yeah. you can hang from those monkey bars. You can do the monkey bars. There's a lot outdoors that we have. So um, while the weather's nice, I, I need to get uh, this group formed. And if you're thinking of going to do Spartan Hills, Alpha Challenge in Wanaka is another good one to go in the South Island too. That's another obstacle course. That's the beginning of December, I think. And what's that called? Alpha Challenge. Okay. That's another good one. It wasn't too big this year because of COVID, but they still hold it locally. But um, we had a chat with them recently and they said the biggest issue was a lot of people from Auckland and Australia couldn't get there. I think if we can promote these races and get people training for them, 
I think it'll be a no brainer. But the problem with like Spartan Race, for example, the person who runs it is in Australia. Yep. And so we, they need to show New Zealand love. Mm. Like, because as a coach, I will do anything to get people involved with it. I mean, for, for my selfish reasoning is really just to show people what they're capable of. I, there's nothing more fantastic than, than doing that for me. So I really would love to have some love from Australia and, and for them to like, to get more, more folks involved, whether it's gyms. I mean, we could really get a little poster and put it up at every gym in the area, but they just need to get someone from New Zealand. We need uh, to get... I, I think that'll come. I think the, the, the worst thing about it is they held their first race the year before a, a pandemic. Um, yeah. And it's been in pandemic ever. And New Zealand has closed its borders. I've spoken with the CEO several times now about that. He still has container loads of his equipment sitting here in New Zealand for his next races. So it's just they haven't been able to get here to do it. So I, I think it'll come back. It's just going to be a slow process because the borders are only just opening. Um, but they've started kicking off. They're doing well in Australia again now. So hopefully uh, they'll come here. This year will work well, well for them in, in Auckland, and then they'll look a little bit further afield. Yeah, you know. Ideally, so I was going to say ideally too, if because um, they are they are all based in Australia, all the staff. So I think New Zealand has gotten a little bit forgotten about, and as well as COVID, we've had border closures. There's been multiple um, Spartans postponed multiple times in New Zealand over the past few years, but there has been some of the instances where New Zealand was open for events. It could have gone ahead, but then the border was closed. So none of their staff could come, even though everyone here was ready. Um, but they really need to get like a New Zealand crew. Would I think being run by Australia, I think just not working with under current restrictions under COVID. But getting people like yourself involved and even getting them just to contract it out to a New Zealand crew would be amazing. Um, I, yeah, I mean, thanks for us. I mean, we are signed up for all the races Australia and all the races in New Zealand, and we did not get any love. And as a Spartan coach, and I was on CNBC for Spartan. I, I mean, I did the Spartan videos. I, I may do the death race in June. I've talked to Joe about it. It's a possibility. That's like a whole nother level of brutal brutality. But um, I think we really need to have some presence in in the. Auckland area as someone who really just wants to see it flourish because there's a problem when Spartan is in 46 countries and I talk to people in Auckland and no one knows about it. It's it's not supported here. Um, I mean, I yeah, I got to be careful what I say because I'm <laughs> me and me and Spartan Australia have sort of fallen out recently. Um, yeah. But I'm the I'm the street team captain for New Zealand, oh, so. Wow. In 2019, like I was quite heavily involved with them promoting the race. Yeah. But after that, it's like I've I've gotten zero support, and, and I'm keen. You know, I, I love this stuff. I I want to spread the word of Spartan here, but I'm but I'm, I'm emailing them questions and they're not responding. It's like yeah, yeah. But that's it's, it's a bit of a lots and lots of other businesses and that during COVID, they went from a staff of seven to two part-time people from nine to twelve. Um, it's yeah. 
hopefully going forward things will improve because now they're getting races happening they're starting to get things happening in australia they're keen to come back here um like i said i've spoken to him a couple of times and i'm in communication with him already about coming on our podcast before the the um but they come to it to new zealand so i i think it will come back it's just with every event like i've got so many credits with running races and stuff that have just been postponed for the last three years. And there's, yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. I don't believe any rate. It's just the way of the world. Well, I have a Spartan call every single month. It's like six o'clock in the morning on Saturday mornings because of time difference. Um, and it's coaches from all over the world. So I'm going to put in a special request to Joe to get something here in uh, New Zealand more I don't know exactly what I can do. I, I talked with him before, but we do need more recognition, I think, in New Zealand, because if when cops don't know about the Spartan race, when people I talk to in my classes don't know what obstacle course racing is, there there is a huge opportunity here to just to shine a beautiful light on something that is so fun. Um, it's open to everyone. And we really can, we can do it. And if I'm training a big group of people, you know, I've done these, these things in the parks where I have 500 people, a loudspeaker, and I am teaching classes in a park. We could do those Spartan type workouts in parks all over to get people excited about it. There's no reason why you have gorgeous, gorgeous terrain that we can't get people motivated. Yeah, and they did that last time. I mean, Les Mills had a couple of big events in the city, uh, right in the city, in Victoria Park, and a few others for the last Spartan race. Um, it's just getting getting people like the United um, Ultimate Athlete and everything like that to to start doing those sorts of things. So, because Spartan's only going to be one or two races, we need more races yeah. in New Zealand. So, we need to encourage other event organisers to to take up the challenge as well. And I think the issue with New Zealand that I've come to realise from speaking to some race organisers as well is, um, I mean, population-wise, we're so small because New Zealand's, what, five million people spread across the whole country, whereas overseas, Australia, North America, and you can hold a race in a city of five million people or plus. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's part of the problem here is that there's just a lack of people but I think because we have so much stunning terrain that the New Zealand races need to like market themselves as destination races as well. So you can draw in New Zealanders plus draw in, you know, Australians and Americans and people from Asia and people who want to race in New Zealand, like put it on their bucket list to come and, you know, race a mountain in New Zealand. Um, so I think, yeah, I think a lot of the races can grow from expanding their audience to other countries as well. Yeah. yeah, that destination race, that's why Hawaii is so popular. I mean, Hawaii is like known as like an amazing destination. But like you're saying, I mean, doing the Abel Tasman walk, that scenery was incredible. And I think New Zealand <clears throat> offers that kind of scenery everywhere. So, you know, creating that destination and seeing those pictures, you know, getting stuff up on social media. But also like, I think if Spartan Race can do it well and other organizers can 
and kind of follow through with that, you get someone doing a Spartan race that are doing all these other obstacle course races every weekend. In the US, people drive eight hours. I've, I've driven 12 hours to do a Spartan race. You have people that will leave at midnight and get to the race. I'm like, how are you not so tired? And people do that here in New Zealand. I go running races and like people drive, it's only five hours, I must admit, but drive to Taupo and down to Ruapayu to run the goat. Um, get up in the morning, drive down there, do the race and then come. So people will do it. It's just we don't have the events and uh, I, I don't think it's been marketed very well. Um, it should be the best place in the world. Adventure racing started here, really. Yeah. So, Potentially, it should be up there in, in, as some of the best places in the world for it. That's for sure. But and that's where should not I, make additions. I think I can help with the with the training for it because um, I was training people to get so good. I was like, "Holy crap! I need to be training more myself." Because <laughs> <laughs> I was helping people get really good, really good, and I'm watching them, and they're like, "Run up to me after the race!" Oh my god, thank you! And I'm like, "Wait, I fell on that. You you did it. That's awesome." But like, I shouldn't be falling. So I think I can really help out with this and 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 help grow the industry by creating these training programs that gets people excited about it. And I think the more people get into these training programs, the more likely they are to be consistent with the racing and to do, you know, you guys list the, the races on your website, to not just do one, but to do two and three and four, because it, it really becomes addictive. And it's a great way to see different places. You know, you've got the great walks, people can do well now they can start doing the obstacle course races and when we ask one question this is nothing to do with obstacle sport it's just the finishing up question okay so if you could have coffee with any person dead or alive who would it be and why um so i would actually have coffee with this is going to be a crazy response but former president trump oh <laughs> We have to admit, we've never had anyone say that, no. Um, so the reason is, if, if anyone watched his show, um, I guess it was your Fired, um, the show oh, he had, yeah. there was one episode I saw and there was a guy being bullied and Trump actually took the guy to the side and he said, you know what, you're better than that. Don't let this guy bully you. You have, it was one of the Soprano members who was being bullied. And um, he said to him, he said, you can do this. You got to believe in yourself. And so that was a really inspiring thing for me to see. Um, but I think that when you're someone who deals with constant scrutiny and constant finger pointing, I, I would want to know like how, how he dealt with that and like, what he would do differently going forward, kind of what, it, it's a hard thing when you're having someone scrutinize and 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 take one, one line you're saying and turn it around and just understanding like if he were to run again, what would he do differently and, and how he'd approach those things moving forward. I think in life, it's really easy to make assumptions but when you actually can sit down with someone and like, and get, put yourself in their shoes, you see things a lot differently. So 
I kind of like to see that. And, you know, he's been really successful with a lot of the companies. You know, he's successful with taking business from Mexico or taking um, employment that was in Mexico and bringing it back to the U.S. Um, so I'd, I'd really be interested in just, you know, some of those discussions. An interesting answer. Different, but interesting. Well, thank you very much. We've enjoyed our chat. It's been really good. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. I'm really like stoked about obstacle course racing. You guys are awesome. And we'll definitely catch up when you come to Auckland. Yes, definitely. Where can people follow you online if you want to share some links to, we'll put them in the show notes. So my website is madfitness.com, not because I'm crazy, just mad. So madfitness.com. And then um, I actually just created a stair workout for Oxygen Magazine. And that's um, on the Oxygen Magazine Instagram, but also my Instagram, which is at Madeline Delenti. So I, I, I put workouts on there all the time. And um, I'm always looking for ways to help. So definitely contact me if you're interested in training. I just started doing spinning classes for a um, women's soccer group. So I think there's opportunities to bring groups together and really help them and do obstacle training. So Mad Fitness or my name at gmail.com. So Madeline Delenzi at Gmail or Instagram at Madeline Delenzi. Thank you very much. 